Welcome to On the Table, a podcast about board games, card games, and tabletop war games. Hey, welcome back to On the Table Gaming. I'm Chase. I'm Josh. And uh, today we're actually joined by someone we've been meaning to have on the podcast for a long time, and the stars have finally aligned. It's Carl Kirsten from uh, Peacekeeper Games. So welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here finally. So for those of you that don't know Carl, he is a, a huge fixture in the A Song of Ice and Fire tabletop miniatures game community. So maybe just to start things off here, could you maybe tell us a little bit about Peacekeeper Games and how you got involved with A Song of Ice and Fire the miniatures game? Oh man, that's a long one. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, we got, we got time. We got, let's go for it. <laughs> um, I, I guess uh, everything kind of changed for me when I just got inspired and motivated to make my first original tool for tabletop gaming. And it was directly related to Song of Ice and Fire, tabletop miniatures game, but it also works for Kings of War, that game system as well. Just the uh, the center pivoting tool that I, that I made. Uh, and it was just a fun thing to do and try out. And it became something that people really liked. So I just went ahead and and started something up and never looked back kind of, I guess you could say. So uh, the game itself for me is, I've been passionate about it since the day I heard about it. Uh, the IP and the system itself, it's, it's everything I've wanted on on the table I could think of. So Yeah, I can't believe it because you were one of the early, earliest people that was really like talking about this game. I, I think we were seeing on the Kickstarter and then you yeah. were pushing out. I think you ran your own Kickstarter, right? For your arcs or your movement yeah, uh, pivoting. Yeah, I, had, I had different opinions about that because it's it's you know it's a laser cut piece and some people were thinking wait why would you do that it's like for me man I, i'm starting from blank zero slate i don't have any investment money i don't got nothing you know uh to just start up a business and start laser cutting things so i just said let's see if people are even interested in this thing at all you know so that that was the original start for me and sure enough there was a bunch of interest and got things going so I could tell you from experience in the uh, in the PAX tournament, it was really helpful uh, just to make sure that we were having that precision, right? Like of because I think twisting a unit, and we talked about this before, but like twisting a unit in place, you know, there people are have uh, you know varying levels of aptitude with that. That, but when you you know, there's no ambiguity when you're using the tool because then you know they're always going to be turning exactly on the spot instead of kind of like you know getting closer or further away from where they're supposed to be. Yeah, and it's I mean it's it's been a really like awesome journey and my my start the original thinking was just which is why i named named the peacekeeper was just prevented like preventative measures from you know i've been in i've been in lots of competitive uh situations myself with gaming and just to prevent a possible argument from happening was my original plan just like let's just not even have this argument ever come up by doing this yeah and that was the original plan then it got better and more ideas float flew started flying in the old noggin and all these <laughs> now you have all the the markings on it for lots of different types of uses and um even now to the more refined state of using it is like there's really a couple situations that you in my opinion got to use it but and you can use it all the time if you like but um there's many times where you don't need it because you're not using your maximum distance or you know because of that 360 capability of the turn you don't you don't really have to use it all the time, but right um, exactly for those those charges and max distance moves, uh, it's really helpful. So, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. When I I first saw it, um, 
I was just thinking, man, I don't know. Is this really something I need to have for this game? Like, it didn't seem like it was necessary. Uh, kind of superfluous, I thought. And then I got your review copy, and I started messing around with it. And the same thing, Josh, you know, using it at the tournament. And now I think it's like 100% essential, especially considering you you market them like a really, really fair price. And to get either your um, MDF ones or your kind of your really nice one, the acrylic ones, I think it's it's kind of a must-have. And uh, I was so happy at PAX to see that you had them and you made them available for everyone in the tournament to use because it really did help with that. When you get to situations where this is actually going to you know, change the result of maybe this tournament bracket, this charge, or can it actually make it? Can this pivot move perfectly? And being able to reach there for the tool um, is so big. So if you're listening, um, make sure you check out Peacekeeper Games. I think it's Peacekeeper Games Net. Yeah. Take a look at that. There's there's a few variations you have. Um, yeah. Right now I'm I'm excited to to push out the uh, Scorpion, the War Machine size. And um, with the holidays and and recent uh, personal things with my team I have here in Sacramento, it's it's taking longer than I anticipated. But I'm I'm pushing out the the last bunch of orders for the original Kickstarter. Actually, believe it or not. So um, some of those ice and fire orders from the beginning, you know, were ordered for every size. So I've had to keep reminding them, well, it's a little bit longer, guys, a little bit longer until we get that last size. And <laughs> so, fi- so finally I got some help from overseas. Someone took some pictures of them uh, using a micrometer with the uh, Scorpion unit. And I have the dimensions, so I'm, I'm getting it as fast as I can. And then once the Kickstarter orders are all done, I'll be back with... Uh, trying to make videos and and experiment with new products and stuff like that so yeah so we did a a quick youtube video just using it in the most basic of ways but we didn't get into a lot of like the more advanced ways you can use the arcs um so on your arcs if if you haven't seen them i guess it's kind of hard to describe it here but it's a uh half circle arc and then there's going to be some some like lines and demarcations that go along it and there's kind of like a i guess it's like an eyeball symbol would that be a way to describe it yeah, um, there's uh, there's two open eyeballs and two closed eyeballs. So, you know, what's that all about? So the open eyeballs are going to contact uh, the corners of the front side of the tray and the rear side, of course. They're they're uh, the same. Um, but that just dignifies, like, the, um, the your line of sight. So okay. if you were to, you know, extend the line of sight from the tray, it would go right through the center of the eyeball there. Um, the two closed eyeballs are going to be your flank. That's your flank side. Um, and it's just kind of like, because you can use the arc as, as a pre-measuring tool. So when you're doing that, you can see your line of sights with the arc without needing to have your tray there. Right. And the other thing I guess I, I didn't mention in the video I did was you don't have to use them on the front of the, the tray. Because um, sometimes the battlefield can get a little bit more cluttered, and I've had some people ask, like, well, yeah, but can you really use this on the battlefield when things start to get closer? And you can just put the arc on the back side of your unit, or really, I guess, on any side of the unit, and it it still works fine. So there's usually space for it. So it's oh, it's absolutely. actually it's 100% usable on the a Song of Ice and Fire more cluttered style board. So um, really great stuff there. Yeah, the, the eyeballs are kind of, like I said, used for pre-measuring to see your line of sight uh, as you're trying to plan things out, um, they, you do not have to connect the trade there, like you said. But also, you, now you have a, a a distance of your side. You know, now, now you can see if you can fit somewhere, or you can see like you have those um, 
you, you have the distance of the size of your tray readily available. So, oh, can I fit here? Well, you, you have it right there for you. So you can, you can always use it for that. I know also in addition to the Peacekeeper games, you've also, uh, you know, we saw you hosting the tournament at PAX. So can you tell us at all about like, you know, sort of uh, how you got, you know, involved with that and, and how that went and, and, and what running that tournament was like? That is a wonderful story that I'm still currently um, developing, I guess you could say, or I, I'm <laughs> involved with, which is um, being a part of the events team at, with Simon. So I think it was early summer, and uh, I haven't been to a major, major, major cardio. I've done lots of my local stuff here. And I was like, you know, I'm going to try to see if I can um, volunteer for their, for their Gen Con events. That'd be great. I know, some of their, I know some of their games, and of course, I'm heavily into Ice and Fire, and this is before the game dropped. So I was one of the few that was really into it before the game was even out yet. And I volunteered for their for Gen Con and they said, yeah. So they, they picked me up and, and, um, it was, uh, so it's like, so I don't know if you guys know about CMOS Legion program. It's a volunteer program. If you're into their games and you set up events or you volunteer for their conventions, they'll, uh, reimburse you in some way, usually like CMON credit or something like that. It's, cool. it's a great, it's a great system. And, um, so I took the plunge and I went on a plane by myself and headed out there and, um, it was fantastic. It was the people there, all the, all the volunteers are just amazing, and um, it was it was it was it was, it was kind of life changing. Honestly, it was it was just a, a really wonderful experience. It was an awesome event. I mean, uh, Chase and I both had an awesome time there, and and the uh, the tournament specifically was you know one of the highlights for us. Oh, the uh, whole weekend, really? Yeah, yeah. And it seemed like those demo tables were really you know jamming pretty much the whole weekend. Yeah, PAX was surprisingly like super busy. Um, Gen Con was insane. Let's just capitalize that I for that one. That's that was <laughs> that, that that took my whole level of understanding of what a game convention was to like outer space because my little local things here it was like, and <laughs> some of the volunteers were laughing. They were like, "Oh, this is your first like major con. Like you chose Gen Con to be your first. <laughs> and I was it's like, "Yeah," one, right? and it was it was crazy um pax was busy though it was great it was um yeah it was it was consistently people everywhere i actually took some pictures and posted on my personal page because i was like look at this beautiful site there's just people everywhere playing games (laughs) so um and i love i love i love everything about it the the game itself the every time i teach it it's this was fun this was great and the enjoyment you get with people around the table i mean it, nothing else replaces it. I used to be a video gamer too, and it's nah. I don't even mess with that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Tabletop games are good for me, and and the combination of the Simon team and their whole program, and and the fact that they appreciate my passion, and and it's just uh, it's a it's a beautiful uh, synergy. So I'm gonna, I'm looking forward to 2019. It's it's, it's going to be exciting. Oh man, the games and the interest of the game seems to only be picking up more and more and more. So. I think it's going to be a great year for just the hobby and the game in general. Are there anything that you learned from running the demos? Like, are there, you know, as someone who's, we're, we're always trying to get new people into the game and are there common, you know, either problems or questions that come up with new people trying to learn or any tips for even teaching, uh, you know, tips for how to teach the game to people so that when they want to run demos, they'll maybe have some more success. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I like to, I like to have two categories for what I call what you would call like learn to play events. So you have, you know, you have a person or a group of people that are dedicated to learning the game. They're going to sit down they're going to sit there and they're going to absorb all. So you, you can actually run a full game with someone that's down for an evening of learning versus what you'd call a demonstration, which is going to be half hour, 40 minutes, bam, 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 hit the highlights. Don't even worry about the nuances of little things. And you can, you know, you can, (laughs) you can kind of forget about certain things just to like, (laughs) streamline and and you know hit the major points of how the game functions and stuff like that so those would be your two categories and for for learn to plays i'll sit down with 30 points on each side and i'll just go slow you just you just talk them through it and that's that's kind of an easier one because you have all the time in the world versus a demo a demo what i would do is i would start off and just explain the march and maneuver action and how that all functions and and just go back and forth until all the units have done that. I wouldn't even have uh, NCUs or cards out yet. Okay. Once you get to the end of turn one, that's when you introduce, and here's our second type of unit, the NCU, and you, you explain how that functions with the board. And you just draw one card and say, and this is it, check this out. This is how it functions with the card. And then they kind of see how it all synergizes together. Turn two starts. Turn two, or I'm sorry, round two, excuse me. <laughs> round two starts, and round two in the beginning you introduce the charge action and how that functions and what they need to do with that and it's kind of more of like a step-by-step building process versus the learn to play you can just mess around and, and go slow the demos can be like okay learn learn maneuver march okay learn the ncu okay learn the charge okay now we're going to go through an attack and it's kind of like that once they've experienced each of the different types of things that you can experience in the game, the demo's over, you know? So that's uh, two different ways to go about it, really. I mean, I never thought of it that way. That's a great way to sort of tear in. Because I've heard some people say like, oh, teach the game without the NCUs and tactics cards. And it's like, well, then you're not really, they're like missing out on some of the parts that make the game so unique. That's the most beautiful part. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what makes the game, oh man, so addictive for me is those, those, uh, those, uh, tough decisions of do I claim that zone or not first, you know, because it's all about uh, prioritizing your decisions there. So got to have that in there. But eventually you don't have to, you know, lay it all out in front of them. They're going to look at you like, oh, this is too much. Yeah. Oh, well, sort of like you're peeling back the layers of an onion, kind of exposing them to like, you know, okay. And eventually <laughs> we're getting down to, and then here's the game, you know, so starting out like, you know, with the small decisions of, okay, moving the units around. Cause that's all pretty, you know, easy to understand really quickly, but then you start going, okay, and then here's a little more complexity and a little bit more. Yeah, so it seems like a, that seems like a good way to, to teach it. I mean, I found that when I've gone through this game teaching friends of mine, uh, you know, they picked it up really quickly. You know, we, we just use the, you know, the reference uh, guide there and just here's the couple of things that your guys can do. You know, are you close enough for a charge? If not, you know, you can maneuver a march. Uh, and it seems to go pretty, pretty well. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great one to demo. I've, there's been so many, you know, I, I I can't remember exactly who mentioned this, but the game ticks all the boxes, is quote right. unquote. <laughs> I think it's that was easy Ash, to learn. Yeah. <laughs> Ash, is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, easy to learn, easy to pick up, and super fun. Like I said earlier, like 
whether it was a demo or a learn to play or me and a friend got down and gritty with a fully competitive uh, evening. It's fun. It's just a fun game, period. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. Um, yeah, the demo, the demo's good. And what you can do too is you pick up really fast on, on someone's war game before or, you know, they say, oh yeah, I know that. And they just do it real fast. Okay, now you can go to the next step even faster. Yeah. And then right. they can kind of, they, they can kind of soak in more than the demo, the demoe who has no idea what's about miniatures or war games. They, they're not going to soak in as much, but at least they'll be exposed to all the different uh, mechanics, right? So. And it was cool too to see at those demo tables that they were introducing the the Night's Watch was available for you know so that was the first time Chase and I had actually seen a Night's Watch model on the table uh, and got to mess around with it like you know Chase got a little demo game in there and that was uh, <laughs> I got right. my butt like... kicked by some, <laughs> some random person I got killed so hard yeah. I mean uh, you know hey, but that's good um, your way I I, lo- I love seeing you two uh, uh, cross across from each other during the tournament that was oh, a little bit of we little bit we're talking a little bit about, we're teasing each other a little bit yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah i think simon definitely had um uh an incredible just amount of of support for that that was that was great i was yeah, yeah. I, can't, I can't remember who there was that uh all the other volunteers everyone was so so awesome as well like you did a great job TOing, and then there was like some people that are helping you out. I remember, I, I, uh, what was his name? Billy. There was like another guy that was helping out Billy, who was awesome yeah. too. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, the, the team. Like, yeah, it, it, let's. I mean, it's not going to happen. But let's say imaginary. You know, the game dropped tomorrow. I'd still go volunteer for Simon events because of the team, like because of the music, like and and the people that are there. You guys, are you going to be doing, uh, you're thinking of doing this next year? going to be at PAX again? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to do what I can. I mean, they, they still get to pick their team, so I'm not, I'm uh, not going to So not, what, what uh, I'm hearing is we're going to start a, a like a um, change.org petition or something here. Bring <laughs> Carl to PAX. <laughs> Let's start it going, guys. We need to start, uh, we'll start sending the emails to Simon. They're going to be. Just kidding! Please don't harass him. <laughs> it's gonna be all ten followers are gonna poop now. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, um, I'm I'm gonna try to make an appearance at uh, LVO. Okay, nice. Wow. Um, and that's not gonna be anything major. Just ha- show off the game kind of thing. Um, I was we I was too late. Uh, as far as setting up an event, the the LVO that's that's a, that's a big deal. So they need a bigger heads up than I was able to give. But yeah, we'll we'll, we'll have the game there for either playing around or maybe someone wants to learn. You know. So, so you've run a few tournaments now. Um, what any any tips for people that are trying to get a scene going at their own store or that maybe they're going to be putting on their own tournament? Any any tips you might give to help them organize things? You had like a whole like pen and paper system going when we were there. Uh, yeah, that, uh, old school. That's that's what I, yeah, that's what I was doing. Um, for well, okay. There's a few things, I guess. Number one is it's all about your game store, right? So, I I had kind of a group going and a scene going before I even talked to my game shop, mm-hmm. and so that was kind of easier, I guess, to just kind of set it into the store because we already had. 
discussion going already, but um, it did take probably four weeks of every, I call it Wednesday night in Westeros, Wednesday nights at the game shop, just having the game out. Yeah. And people walk by and you just, hey, come sit down, man. Like, come check it out. And that's all it is. That's all it is. And it can be torture. But you sit there <laughs> with your game out. And on the side, you have your little paint, little, little uh, travel paint things. You get to paint a little bit. You get to oh, yeah. talk to people if they're interested and just kind of have a little bit of time to bring people in. But as far as tournaments go, specifically, it's all about what your game shop, how, how they want to do it, you know. So some game shops need to have X amount of people with 10 bucks in hand a month ahead of time. Some game shops, they don't, you know, free and do whatever you want. Or some game shops say you can't do this, you can't do this. So it's really crucial to, to get together with whoever's in charge of events at your shop and, and streamline it with them. Because... I think that's why I'm still kind of, I'm still kind of working that out with with Great Escape. They have a new system now in 2019, and this is, comes to my second point. Um, they're using BCP. It's called Best Coast Pairings. So now all events need to be pre-registered through the um, Best Coast Pairings, which is great. I'm sure it's like super smooth and seamless, and running yeah. tournaments is really easy. But now I have to go do that. So. <laughs> That's so yeah, Swiss pairings ahead of time, and then as you win and lose, it kind of like shifts everybody down. I they I haven't done it yet because I, they don't have a song of ice and fire one quite yet that I know of. Um, but they're it's in their you know their to do list. So. And so so that'll have like rankings then. Like I think best goes pairings. Don't they have like actual points you accumulate and you get you know rank rank points and stuff so they'll actually have like an official listing then oh cool hmm. uh i maybe within their own system perhaps i have heard um and we all have heard and are excited about uh simon's organized play so that was announced before that it's going to be showing up sometime in 2019 and then that's that's what we'll be you know actually looking at for rankings and stuff like that um as far as the whole like I don't want to say globe, but the whole network of organized play. I believe it's Europe and North America. I want to say, oh, um, but BCP they might have their own thing going. Yeah, who knows? Chase could be like the world champion or the North American. I just got to get registered, and I'll be the one, the one person registered to be like, look at that, top one <laughs> champion, <laughs> one <laughs> of one. Here we go. Take that, Don, Don Shelky, <laughs> come at me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Don. Man, that guy. That, I've never seen someone help his opponent so much to beat him, <laughs> and then still in the tournament with like, you know, an insane amount of victory points and just units yeah. died. And it was just, yeah, right. He's it, you know yeah, he's, he's a great guy to have at every event for sure. Oh. Absolutely, yeah. Our hats off to him. He's so nice and so skilled. You know, he's like the uh, the Bobby Fisher of a Song of Ice and Fire. <laughs> just, <laughs> Uh, yeah um yeah so that's tournaments wise it's all about the game shop um create a facebook group you know invite people in to say hey this group specifically for this region uh for tournaments and that's that's what i did really i just i don't it's like i was like hey i don't really want to discuss anything else here because there's so many other groups to go discuss painting and yeah stuff like that but, but if you want to have an event boom put it here and everybody will get notified about it 
and we'll just do it that way. And so my little page is kind of dedicated to that. And uh, it's grown to, I think I have 40, 40 to 45 members Woo. at this point. Nice. Uh, yeah, I think that's what the, what it is. Is just seeing the game, like you know, seeing the game out there and played is just so impactful for getting you interested in it. It's just because, you know, if you don't really know about it, there's you walk into a game store like we have. Like I've gone to like the Portal in Manchester here in Connecticut, and it's like you know they got four thousand game like board <laughs> games, miniatures games, card games, and they could like I mean if they're just going in there, they're probably going there by like some magic singles or some you know maybe they're looking at like Ticket to Ride or something, but then you know, they go in the back where they got the, the war gaming tables. And a lot of times they're like, holy cow, like, you know, they're seeing some 40 K or some X wing. And like, I think, you know, getting, getting it out there in front of people like that, just going like, wow, that's really awesome. And it's like, guess what? If you buy this right now, you know, you can open this up and be playing in the next 15 minutes. Cause there's no, right. you know, there's no <laughs> right. everything together. And I think that's a, yeah. that's a really awesome right. thing that that's a advantage for this game. I think it was September or I, man, I'm terrible with dates. I'm trying to remember when the Kickstarter actually showed up at my door. I can't remember. Um, it's August or September or something like that. I took it right over to my local shop and was like, all right, well, how, how do I get this thing out? And and they, it was already ready. They had war game tables just pre-set up. They had 3D terrain on the shelves on, on, on the wall. Just They're like, use whatever you want. And I was like, what? They're like, yeah, man. <laughs> Get, go ahead, get down. Like, go, you know, I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. So it was just so inviting and just easy to to do, to set up and show the game off. Oh, crazy so. thing too is once you have a scene, like if if they're going to continue to do this starter set army sets, like the Night's Watch and the Free Folk, I mean, if there's already an established scene and you want to jump in, you can literally just buy one of those box sets and you're good to go. And like, it's, you know, you get a whole army essentially for the price of like what might be a unit in some of our competitors game systems. It's kind of crazy. All the tokens dice are in there. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think that's a rad thing. I think three of our players for the first Northern California uh, tournament on December 9th was that they, they just came in, picked up a nice watch. Nice. And, uh, yeah. So we had 10, we had 10 players for our first little beginner friendly uh, tournament scene. They'll probably be beginner friendly for a while, but, um, this was like the first go at it, and it was like I mentioned to you guys before. December is pretty nuts, so it was just kind of a casual um, thing. I got players from Reno and Bay Area to come out and support, so it, it was great. Um, but yeah, like like you were saying, just a couple of people just yeah, they just grabbed the nice watch, you know, a few days ago <laughs> or last week, I think it was. And decided to pop in for a tournament. So now, now for beginner tournaments, do you do any restrictions on lists, or can people show up being like, you know, here's my four nights of casually rock units, let's rock? <laughs> and they're like, well, I've got the starter set, like I've got a unit. <laughs> um, I stress just I stress attitude, right? So uh, if it's a legal list, it's a legal list, you Sweet. know. And that's yeah, there's no restrictions. But beginner friendly just means. Don't roll the dice before you give your opponent a chance to act. <laughs> you know, like you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm gonna do this and the boom, roll the dice and boom, and you're like three, you're like three turns or three steps in, and your opponent hasn't even got a chance to play a card yet. Like, that's what I stress with that. Yeah. Because the cards, even for for me for the longest time, like forgetting to play cards was just man, like that was a huge one for me as far as when I wanted to when I wanted to win. 
It's like, ah, oh, I forgot to play this card. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think that uh, that miss trigger thing is like it's so important. I think um, one of the old Beast of Wars video, I forget the the co-host name, the guy who's playing with Michael Chanel. Um, he had mentioned like one of the things, especially when you're first starting out, like a good way of like just kind of organizing your thoughts is just don't even necessarily read the whole card, but just read the trigger for the card. So this way, when it happens, you go, okay, hang on, I might have something. No, I don't want to do that right yeah. now. But it's just keep exactly. think about this huge cascading thing. It's just this one little, you know. Yeah, you got a grand scheme. <laughs> as your opponent, as your opponent descends into paranoia. Then you're moving that guy. Are you sure? Hold on, let me see. Mm, no, I'm not gonna do that. To you. Like, what, what are you gonna do? <laughs> Nothing. I talked about early on. Uh, I want to say late spring or early summer. Uh, oh, I want to say um, see him on Expo during the interview. Uh, where they're like, yeah, bluffing is actually incorporated in the game. When you ah. do some some crazy move that only you would do if you had that card. Yeah. Because your, your opponent knows your cards, right? Yep. So you're like, oh, he must have that card, but you really don't. <laughs> like you can get away with stuff, or right? You can bluff. <laughs> That's one of those cool things about this game is the fact that it is not just a miniatures game, but also has a card game element to it. So there is that you know, the next level of this game is understanding the entirety of the deck, what your opponent might possibly have, you know, it, wh why are they doing that? Do they have that card? And then are they now making me think that they have the card when they really don't? I mean, that's, that's one of the, I, I think the other layers of complexity that I really like uh, enjoy about this game. That is definitely like, uh, I don't want to say expert. Yeah. Okay. I'll say expert there. Uh, if, if you're going to go, go that far and, and realize like what cards your opponent has already played, and oh, what, yeah. they, what chances are they have stuff in their hand? Like, I haven't even, <laughs> I haven't even done that. Like, that's start counting cards. Maybe mm -hmm. was counting. <laughs> I feel like Chase always has like three extra copies of counterplots. <laughs> it's I just one deck, deck of that. Time, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, except for the counterplot and winners coming. Like, those are the two that <laughs> it's you're like. Okay, I, it just seems like I always have counterplot when you're gonna do your like pivotal. Uh, move, you're like, I've got my combo, and it's like, nah, maybe not. Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, I love, I love how they put the die roll in, though. You still got to make the die roll. <laughs> that's true. That's that true. is true. One of the cool things about this game, too, is besides the tactics cards, are the scenarios that we have. And so, uh, we're going to kind of spring this on you here a little bit, but uh, they just came out with a new tournament ready scenario, a dance with dragons. And so, the way this tournament, uh, this scenario works is there are three tokens across the board. So, right down the middle of the board, uh, left to right, A, B, C, and each objective token can be picked up by a unit and it's put on the on the unit and they can move around with it. It's just that while you're carrying the objective, you can only move, your speed is reduced to, to two. So that's your new speed movement and you may never march. And uh, while you hold these objectives, uh, you're essentially scoring points. If you've got a commander, you gain additional points. And then each objective has an effect that gives that unit um, I don't know. Have you had a chance to look at this scenario? And you know, what's your thoughts on this? Oh, I'm so excited to play this. Um, one of the main things, and I saw someone else make a comment about it too, was that this is like the perfect move because for me, coming into a tournament, I would, I would, I was always thinking I got to have one list with no attachments and an NCU commander, and then there's my mm -hmm. clash of keys just every time. Right? Oh. I mean, this completely balances that out. Like, yeah, right you want your commander on the field. <laughs> so that's a uh, big number one for that's awesome. I can't wait to experience that and, and find a good kind of hold the line 
combo of commander and unit. Maybe maybe totally sworn shields might get a boost and in, in visibility on the fields, um, things like that. Oh yeah, but, but the whole yeah the whole um, concept of the scenario seems really fun. Um, it's gonna it's it's kind of a it's a twist on everything because cal ca- cavalry, which I never say right. Cavalry. <laughs> <Not just curious. laughs> That's an official token of the podcast. You're right. You're in good hands here. <laughs> cavalry was also being like played all the time. So there's there's that, and at the same time you have one of those tokens being a MCU shutoff, which takes <laughs> care of Varys. That's how I've won a couple of games myself. Is just just focus beaming my guys to that one objective in Game of Thrones where it's shutting off the MCU. Now my opponent doesn't have Varys, so I'm like, okay. Whew. So I guess if you haven't seen the scenario yet, the three objectives, objective A, uh, when you score points from this objective, you may have one enemy combat unit become vulnerable and weakened. Objective B, while controlling this objective, this unit's melee attacks gain sundering and vicious, but the unit suffers D3 wounds after completing any melee attacks. And then objective C, when you claim this objective, target one enemy NCU. While you control this objective, that NCU loses all abilities. So, I mean, you just kind of mentioned, you know, that really helps out dealing with Varus. Um, you know, I wonder now for each army too, like Night's Watch is going to play a certain way. They might really rely on healing. You're going to want to play this scenario really differently depending on what faction you, you've got or what you're facing, I guess, even. Well, like the veterans of the watch, you know, like you throw them on objective B, like their whole thing is like, yeah, they don't have like a native, you know, combat boost. Like they hit on three pluses with eight dice, but they don't have anything else going for them that way. They're more defensive, but then you mm-hmm. take that, that, and then they're already really good at healing. So now you have a unit all of a sudden that takes D3 wounds, sure, but they've got Sundering Vicious, eight dice, three pluses. Uh, they're hitting you on blocked hits. I mean, suddenly that becomes like a really scary unit <laughs> to carry that thing around. Uh, so it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be awesome. It's going to really change um, well, you know, how certain yeah, units play. I love, love how also they, they put in... You're gonna drop that every time you fail a panic test too, though. Right. So not you don't you don't just get to keep on to it. You know, as soon as you fail a panic test, so that that boosts panic lists. You know, Bolton and Lannisters. Also on the left side, I think it was vulnerable and weakened. Objective A. Yeah. So that um, that's a big boost to Tywin and Roderick, uh, commanders. Yeah. Um, yes. So I mean, lots of lots of fun things going on. Can't wait to get to the table, but I haven't. I don't have any post post game thoughts yet. I'm I'm just also just excited to see where they're going in the design space um, because, you know, this gives me a lot of hope. They're really looking at what the meta sort of is, and, and this is, it looks like good game plan, good game design. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited that they've built out their scenarios in this manner. Yeah, and did you, I, don't, I don't know if you, if you read the whole PDF. Everyone's, including myself, is really excited about A Dance of Dragons, but if you notice, there's a couple other little things. And the other game modes, such as uh, Feast for Crows, they they put a snippet in there about oh. the corpse piles. You can place terrain within um, you, as long as you don't overlap on the corpse pile. So now you right. can fit now you can fit all your terrain in there, you know, because that was obviously a reoccurring thing that was happening, right? So boom, it's fixed, you know. And I'll tell you with that with the you uh, see the care going into it, you know, right. I think that really bounces that one out, right? Because there are some people saying, you know, well, why don't I just sit in my zone or just hide? Um, and the other thing is that that you know that increase per game round, negative one for round. That's yeah, just brutal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. So yeah, as long as the opponent slowly marches correctly, right, all across the field, and boom, a couple good plays, and and then you're you're done. You lost. Yeah. So. Uh, that's that game was really fun because <laughs> you think you're doing good, and then whoop, there goes your guy with four BPs on him, and now you're losing. So I think that one's my favorite. Just I love the like you know, it's pure just mayhem combat. You know, uh, you know we're not. <laughs> looking for points other than just hacking each other up. So it's just, you know, nonstop melee. <laughs> That's my favorite one. Well, it, it adds a whole like layer of sacrificial, you know, like, okay, this guy has one VP on him. He's about, I don't care about him. You know, he's like, oh, well, he's going to die. And that's, right. that's fine. Usually, you know, depending on the scenario, that's always a play. But in this one, it's really like, I got to protect that five VP guy <laughs> with, oh, yeah. with everything. Yeah, like yeah. So sacrifice everyone else. It doesn't matter. Chase yeah. had a game. We had a game where uh, he, you know, it was like I was so far ahead, and I had like a fully healthy <laughs> like Rob Stark unit in the center of the table. But then like Chase managed to I forget he took the maneuver zone with some crossbowmen or something. It was like just in range, and then oh. like took I don't know he fired twice or something. But it was like ended up mowing this guys down, and they had so many points stacked on them at that point. It was like, oh man, that was just at the last second got it. It was uh, it was a uh, really. Uh, awesome game to play but it's like competitive i mean there's kind of like almost like a built-in comeback mechanic in in the mode yeah which is cool so you have to be like watching every round because you don't know you could fail a panic test and suddenly this unit that you weren't worried about is now you know your most prized possession yep absolutely (laughs) but you know overall just really highlights what a a fun game this is uh every time i play i'm just like smiling the whole way through (laughs) absolutely and, I, and I'm I'm such a, a Song of Ice and Fire uh, fan as it was before I first heard of Snap. But I have like I have like every little piece you could get for Battles of Westeros. I don't know if you guys know what that game is. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like my first little. And then as soon as I heard about this game coming, I stopped opening. I stopped opening boxes from that game. I just stopped playing it. I was like, I can't. Like, I got to get ready for this one. <laughs> In, in the meantime i was just messing with the uh with the lcg with uh, a game of thrones lcg but. oh nice so what uh what faction do you play if you don't mind me asking not to get too far off topic but <laughs> uh i was always trying to have gray joys in my list um oh sure yeah just because they're fun uh as far as thematic uh i would say the dornish are my favorite as far as uh, most interesting I'm super fans of the whole like, uh, you know, story of how they got there and and, yeah, I and the you. master plan that could be brewing, right? Um, so I know your experience but, is limited, but the Dornish have like some of the most brutal mechanics in the in the card game of like stuff that's like bouncing in and out. So <laughs> I've lost oh, many yeah. a game to those guys. Um, and I'm just talking story overall. The card game was was great joys for me, but yeah. and the Lannister, the Lannisters were like kind of. Like Jamie Lannister is my favorite character in the story, so um, I've always I was always excited to play Lannisters uh, for this game. And then once I did, and I was like, okay. And then I played Starks, and I was like, wow, I am a natural Stark. <laughs> like I, I can play Starks just without even thinking about it and do well. Um, Lannisters, for some reason, I don't do well with. Um, but the what's the night's watch here? That's that's my that's my jam right now. So they're so um, fun. I'm on night's watch right at the moment. 
But if uh, for future factions, right? So let's just assume that all possibilities are coming eventually. Um, what would be your your go to faction in a Song of Ice and Fire the Miniatures game? Uh, you know, to be released. Oh, the Dornish for sure. Yeah, Dornish. All right. Yeah. I wonder how that will play out. I wonder if there'll be. You know, we kind of already have like a maneuverable a new a maneuverability faction in the Starks. Um, wonder if they'll have like some sort of I guess maybe vulnerable token, something like poison. Probably something like poison. Know. Yeah, I was just thinking like something to give like maybe like they deal out weakened tokens. Probably something where they have a like good speed, but maybe low armor. You know. Um, yeah, I'd probably uh, assume like after you get hit by. Uh, a Dornish unit, you become weakened or something like that, or yeah, uh, yeah. maybe you have maybe you have uh, the Red Viper in there. And I was thinking with the Red Viper because he's so like he's he's like everything. He's uh, educated and and anyways, that's story stuff. He could be like the first like NCU that could pop on the battlefield or something. Oh, like, that'd be, uh, cool. oh, I always thought it'd be cool to have like an assassination. Uh, you know, NCU, where like you can kill another, like you can like sacrifice your NCU to kill their NCU, and like I think that, that would be a yeah. good faction for them, you know? Oh, geez, that'd be brutal. He he was my favorite character. Was I'm not gonna spoil the books, but uh -oh. I don't know if I've ever thrown a book while reading it before, but that's what happens in that scene. <laughs> it's like through the novel, like no. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Uh, it looks like I just got. I'm getting peekaboos in here from from little ones, so I'm gonna have Sounds to. Good. Well, yeah, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, you know we hope you get your miniatures on the table.